up? Um, this is Micah13 back at it again with another episode of Connect 13. I hope you guys are having a good day so far. I actually need to go to work in a bit, like maybe in an hour or so, just so that I can like make some extra cash. But um, in today's episode, I have tried to make this video. Not this video. What am I even talking about? I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm kind of used to YouTube stuff. So please bear with me. Okay. But I tried recording this episode a couple weeks back, like maybe like a month or two ago. But for some reason, like, I guess I might have deleted the recording somehow, which made me really sad. So I have to re record it. I want to talk about some music production techniques that I've been using over the past couple of years, especially since I first started. So this was requested to me by, I believe, Blue Ghost. If you guys don't know who he is, he's a producer who makes really good music as well. I haven't listened to his work in a while, so I might have to go look back and listen back to them again, um, maybe in a bit, or maybe when I'm driving for, like, for work and stuff. So um, yeah, he requested me to make this episode for his podcast. And on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, I believe like two days ago, I did this kind of like poll thing where I guess where like you can like ask me questions. And I believe he also asked me like, What's like my, like what I, what did I do for my vocals? Like how do I mix my vocals and stuff like that? So if you guys are interested in hearing how I like, you know, mix my vocals, or if you want to learn a little bit more of some music techniques that I personally use in my almost everyday life, then keep on listening. gonna go off on the top of my head because originally I was gonna write some stuff down but stuff happened with like part-time job related stuff that like I just didn't think about writing a list so I'm just gonna go off on the top of my head if you guys don't mind so um I actually attempted writing a list but I only just wrote one thing and that was it so you're just gonna have to deal with that okay so one of the things that I like to do when it comes to mixing and stuff is I tend to play with the stereo field a lot. And basically, like, to make it simple, I guess in my opinion, when you listen to, like, headphones and monitors, you normally will listen to, like, headphones with, like, two speakers, right? One on the left and one on the right. And basically, to add more depth within, you know, the song, right? So whether if you want like the atmosphere, oh Jesus, so sorry, <laughs> you had to hear that. If you want your mix or if you want your track to sound more full, one of the things that I like to do is, is experimenting with a stereo field. So like not only can you add more like depth and make it sound like in like some kind of environment or something, or like in my opinion, or like I guess like technically this is a thing, it's just another way to like make the track sound less muddy, if you know what I mean. Because 
if you put like every single sound in just both left and right speaker, like, you know what I mean? Like if you only put everything in mono versus if you put it in stereo, which stereo is like, in my understanding, it's like you're using like two speakers, but mono, you only use like one. It's just going to sound like muddy and stuff. And it's not going to have that like fullness that you want when it comes to like mixing and mastering tracks. So some of the things that I like to use to experiment with that is a sample delay, which is like the stock plugin that I use on Logic Pro, which is the DAW that I use. Again, just for a refresher, if you guys don't know, a DAW is an abbreviation for a digital audio workstation, AKA a music software that you use in your choice. Since I use Logic Pro X, or I guess it's like Logic Pro 11 now. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't really care. They have like this uh, plugin called Sample Delay. And what it basically does is that it adds a delay to like one of the speakers. Just to give you a visual of what it looks like. So if I want to do a doubler effect for the vocals, right? So sometimes I would record a part in a song or maybe like a verse or something. And then I would duplicate that and add the sampler delay onto that vocal. And sometimes I would delay both the left and the right speakers in a way where it doesn't match or the timing doesn't match with the original recording, if that makes sense. So that way the vocal can, you know, have some more dimension to it. Like it, it would sound more full, you know what I mean? So that's one thing that I use when it comes to experimenting with the stereo field. Another thing that I like to use a lot is a stereo imager. And I use the free isotope plugin for the stereo imager. And what it basically does is that it can make a sound stereo or mono, especially like you can, and you could also like experiment with like adding like different like quadrants, I guess. Um, so that you can gain better control on what parts of the sound you want to widen, quote unquote, um, just so that only certain frequencies can, you know, take up like the stereo field space. Um, I tend to do that with like higher frequencies in certain sounds. And with bass level frequencies, I would just turn that down and make it more mono because um, there's this kind of like rule or whatever, which people can do whatever they want at the end of the day. But when it comes to mixing, bass tends to be like in the middle because like if you were to like spread that out using a stereo imager, then like it would like take up the space where it becomes a, becomes like more distorted and muddy. And some people like that. Some people don't. Normally, whenever I mix my own stuff and master my music, I tend to keep the bass mono or right in the middle. You know what I mean? Because I am just such a perfectionist to where I just don't want my song or any of my songs to sound muddy unless something might happen. <sighs> I don't know why I'm yawning. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I tend to do that a lot. Um, when it comes to like mixing and mastering and stuff. So yeah, that's what I tend to do with that kind of thing. Um, another technique that I love using that 
Kenny Beats hates, I guess. I don't know. I don't really care. But like, <laughs> I feel like he's going to be so pissed, even though he doesn't even fucking know I exist. But anyways, like I was saying, I use side chaining a lot for my music. And what it basically is, it's like, it's so hard for me to explain. Like, I'm not that good when it comes to explaining things. So I truly apologize if none of this makes any sense. But let's say for me, I tend to use side chaining when it comes to um, side chaining the kick drum to like the 808 or the bass, right? So this is what I mean. So let's say you're playing a note on the bass, right? And a kick drum hits, right? What that basically does, so I use a compressor over the bass so that I could side chain it to the kick, meaning once the kick drum hits, there would be like a ducking effect. So the volume of the bass drum would be affected by lowering it once the kick, the sound of the kick drum plays, right? So that way the kick drum itself can, you know, not be lost in the mix. It's like a way for like certain sounds to, you know, still have that kind of like impact when it plays, you know? And like that, I don't know, that's just my own way to explain it. I also use it not just like on bass stuff, but like I also use it in like certain sits or like in certain effects where I want to have that kind of like pumping kind of like flow to it, you know, think of it as like uh, one example that I could, I guess, use in this situation is where have you been by Rihanna? There is this like one part, you know, in the, the drop, right? Like you can hear that kind of like pumping, like crescendo kind of like thing, right? It's like, where have you been on my life? Dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da. Like you could hear the lead or like certain elements like gradually like growing every time like the kick drum hits. It's just a really cool effect that I use alloy, like alloy. I literally can't think of anything. My brain is just not even there right now. Um, oh, I use distortion. Oh, this is something that I've been using recently. So I recently have been doing a thing where I record like an 808, right? And then I duplicate it. And then I have two of, of those 808s that are playing at the same time. This is why. <laughs> um, so it sounds confusing initially, but I promise you it'll make much more sense. So Recently, I've been discovering the idea of layering 808s, which kind of goes into this topic of layering sounds. And what it basically means, it's literally self-explanatory. Like you layer like certain sounds as a way to add like different like elements or textures to whatever sound that you're trying to experiment with. So sometimes, well, actually almost every time I with layer kick drums where like I can use like a simple drum hit, right? But then I find another kick drum that might have more mid slash high frequencies. Then I tend to experiment with that a lot. It's just a way to make, 
I guess the kick drum sound more interesting as well as to add like more textures within the track itself. Um, I personally love it a lot. It's been something that I've been doing for pretty much all my tracks, I guess. I don't really know other examples of like some songs that do that, but like I use that a lot. And it's honestly have dummy wonders. Not only it adds like a lot of really cool textures to the, the kick drum. It's also like another way for the kick drum to really like shine through and have that kind of like hit, the kind of impact effect and stuff like that. So I personally am into that. Sometimes I like layer like different synths for the same purpose, like focusing on textures and stuff like that while also like adding certain like elements to where it doesn't get lost in the mix. But specifically, I also layer my 808s, like my bass stuff, right? So this is how I do it. I would like get an 808, right? I'd find it like an 808 that I'd want to sample. So then I play whatever melody that I have and then I duplicate the same sound with the same melody, like the same like MIDI everything. And the reason why is so that I could have a better time mixing both of the separate recordings or samples, right? So one track, I use that as a way to mix the lower frequencies of the 808. And then the other track, I would cut the lower frequencies and would just focus on the mid and high frequencies. And the reason why I do that is because it's just a way to add texture. And I also don't want the lower frequencies of the bass to get lost within the mix. You know what I mean? And it's just so that I could like maintain the thickness with two C's of the 808 or whatever bass sound that you're using, right? So I find that to be honestly low-key helpful for me. Not really sure if I hear like an actual difference of like that like happening, but like when it comes to mixing the higher frequencies of the 808, I would spread that out as well. Like I would spread the higher and a little bit of the mid-high frequencies just so that I can give the bass or the 808 some more dimension to that, adding on to that fullness, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah, that's what I tend to do a lot. Ooh, I guess I could tell you like another thing that I've been using. So I've been using like various distortion plugins here or there, but recently I've been using this one plugin that I know Kenny Beats uses. It's this kind of like a vintage, tape emulator thing. Oh, the RC20, the RC20. Okay. So he uses this plugin called the RC20 and it's basically like a retro distortion emulator kind of thing where you could use different effects such as like VHS, vinyl, cassette tape player, everything. And it's honestly so neat because you can transform your entire mix or certain like tracks to where it sounds like it's coming off of a VHS tape player or it's coming out from a cassette tape player and stuff like that. That one that I recommended does cost money. However, you can do like a rent to own like thing that Splice does um, where you can just pay monthly and 
You know, like it's a really good money saver in my personal and humble opinion. If you are still on a budget, I'd recommend getting Isotope Vinyl. It is free. So you don't have to worry about, you know, getting some more money off your bank account and having to spend and stuff like that. If you're looking for any more like distortion or like retro distortion emulator plugins, another one that I would recommend is from this website called Aberrant DSP. So they have this plugin called the Sketch Cassette Two, and what it basically is, it's like a cassette tape emulator just to add like a more vintage retro field to your uh, your track or whatever sound that you are experimenting with. You can find it at aberrantdsp.com. That is A-B-E-R-R-A-N-T-D-S-P.com. And I also have to make a disclaimer really quick that none of the products that I am talking about are sponsored. Okay, this is not a sponsored podcast. I wish it was sponsored. I personally haven't owned Sketch Cassette 2 yet, but, you know, I might think about it and see. The other plugin that I've been using for them, since they only have like two in the market right now, um, is Shapeshifter. And it's like a character compressor, dynamics remodeler, um, distortion, like distortion plugin type shit. It's a cool like experimental like distortion plugin and stuff like that. So I'd also recommend that uh, plugin as well from the same brand, Aberrant DSP. Pretty good if you ask me. They're both super affordable. Um, the Sketch Set 2 costs $30 and the Shapeshifter is $20. And if you want to get the bundle where you can get both the cassette plugin and the shapeshifter, then you'd only have to pay $40, which is honestly a pretty good deal if you ask me. So if you want to get a deal, then that might be for you. You know what I'm saying? Another technique that is honestly super essential for me is EQs. Okay. I cannot live without EQing all my tracks. Okay. So what EQing is, it's short for equalization or like if you're, t- if we're talking plugin stuff, it's like an equalizer. And what it basically is, is that it is a plugin where you can cut circuit frequencies as well as lower or higher or like increase like certain frequencies that you want to add onto whatever sound that you're working with. And basically it's just used to like clean up certain sounds so that it makes the whole entire mix sound much more cleaner. That doesn't, where it's like, it prevents the whole entire mix itself to sound muddy, if that makes sense. So like I use this like a lot, like it is such an important tool. It is an essential. Like it is a required thing in my opinion, okay? Because if you're gonna like not do like that care and treatment when it comes to mixing each and every sound, then you're not gonna get that clean result that you might wanna look for. Maybe if you like distorted type stuff, then you might not need it. But like to me, I in my opinion, I do need it. I do need it because without it, then my tracks would just sound a whole lot muddier and stuff. And it just doesn't make me happy at all. So, I mean, you can disagree with me all you want, but like to me, EQing is so important, so important. Like it is 
extremely important. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I That's that for EQing. What else have I been using? Um, I guess like I could talk about my vocal chain, I guess. So some people might talk about vocal chain a lot. And the reason for that is because like, I feel like a lot of like my music producer friends or like colleagues or whatever, they would like sometimes complain about like how mixing vocals are just so complicated. And let me tell you, bitch, let me fucking tell you. It really do be like that sometimes. Like I like, I guess what's difficult for me is that whenever I'm in a different like setting, I mean, I'm just so used to mixing my own voice that whenever like someone asks me to mix for them, it's, I feel like it's just a whole nother thing for me because I'm so used to working by myself where like if like I decide to like work with somebody and experiment with their vocals and all that stuff, it's a good challenge for me, but that rarely happens because I don't really talk to people that much. I mean, originally, okay, if you guys don't remember, I originally was going to work with Morgan Lynn, who I mentioned in the very first episode of this podcast. We were going to work on her EP, but we had to delay the project because she's actually going under surgery. I'm not really sure if she had the surgery already, but from what I know, she's been having a whole bunch of complications from it. And it's honestly like scary, especially due to the fact that she has a chronic illness. It, that's a whole different topic on its own, but like, I honestly can't even imagine what it's like to go through a chronic illness. That That's just fucking rough, but I'm just really happy that, and just really grateful that she's still going strong and, you know, she's like doing whatever she can to, you know, keep her head up during these really difficult times. And so I just hope nothing but the best for her. And I hope that if she goes in surgery and if the surgery goes well, I wish her a speedy recovery. And then I hope that she gets well soon. So yeah, please send your positive thoughts and vibes to Morgan Lynn. Cause honestly, that shit is fucking scary. Let me tell you, I went under the knife once for my tonsillectomy and bitch, it was a wild ride. But going back to what I was saying, um, I guess we could just talk about my vocal chain. Cause like a lot of people would be so stumped on it. Um, I remember like a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a while, Zavi, he tweeted like a while back, like saying that like how he's been trying to mix vocals for a while and it's just been so difficult. And I actually responded to him about some of the things that, or pretty much everything that I use when it comes to like vocal chain, stuff like that. So I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay. Like it is no secret at this point. I just learned it from different like YouTube videos and stuff and that kind of shit. Right. So you're in a very, very special treat if this is something that you're looking for. This is specifically in order. When you like stack different plugins, it heavily affects with the mix and uh, like it heavily affects like the vocals and stuff, which I'll get into in a bit. Right. So first thing that I use, a DSer. Okay. And the reason why I use that plugin is so that I can lower the sibilances of the vocal. So you're, whether you're making like the S sounds specifically, yeah, that lowers that. So that way, when you're hearing the vocals, it just like, if you leave that alone, if you don't use the DSR plugin, your ears would probably bleed by now. Okay. Cause the high frequencies of the S 
sounds are just so sharp, so sharp. Um, so like even like so, I would just suggest like using that. Actually, I would highly recommend it. Okay, because that way you don't have to deal with that mess. So that's that. The next thing that I use is a noise gate or a noise suppressor, whatever you want to call it. And the reason why I use that is so that it could take away or lower the volume of the background noise when you're recording. This whole entire time for this podcast, when it comes to like mixing my own vocals, I tend to use that. You can still hear a little bit of that background noise, but it isn't really as bad when I use the um, the noise gate filter, if that makes sense. So now I actually use the same EQ plugins twice. Okay. So I use the FabFilter Pro Q2 uh, plugin. It is a really good like EQ plugin, in my opinion. I just like the way it's laid out. And the reason why I use two of the same plugin is because I want to use one for like subtractive EQ and the other to be additive EQ. Okay. And in between those two plugins, I use a compressor for subtractive EQ. I use it as a way to make the vocal sound more clear. You know what I mean? There's this kind of technique, which I forgot what it's called, but basically what you do is that you take one knob and you like increase the gain or move it upward like so high and you move that around so that you could find certain pinpoints where like the sweet spot for those things, uh, for those types of sounds is like, if you hear a tubular sound from like a certain like frequency within the sound that you're mixing, it's a indicator to be like, we might need to lower that down a little bit because without like lowering the volume of that specific frequency, then it would just make the vocal not only sound muddy, but also it will make the entire mix sound muddy. So I use that technique a lot um, when it comes to like subtractive EQ and the reason why like I sandwiched the compressor plugin in between the two plugins or the between the two EQ plugins, I want to control the volume of the compressor in a way where it's like like the volume of it just sounds more uniform, if that makes sense, like more balanced. Hopefully that's working or you might notice that if you don't use a compressor and if you're just going to talk just regularly, then like you'll notice that there are certain points of the recording where like parts of the vocals are louder than the lower parts. And that's why the compressor, I would use that. So that way the volume of the recording would be like balanced out, if that makes sense. And for the second EQ, I use it as an additive EQ, which basically is self-explanatory. You add certain frequencies within that recording or within that track. So that way, if you're mixing, if you're listening to the whole mix and you notice that there's something like off or if like your vocals specifically are like kind of lost within the mix, then you could raise certain frequencies of the mix. So that way it wouldn't get lost within the mix, if that makes sense. So if I use only those five plugins, that's mainly like what I use for my podcast recordings. But if I were to like, you know, do like a professional recording where I'm singing and stuff, then I would use like an autotune plugin. You could use whatever autotune plugin that you want of your choice. Um, And you could also like use like other like effects after you stack all of those things. 
And the reason why that order is so important is because if you use an autotune plugin, so like, let's say like you want to add reverb to the track, but you also don't like the shakiness of your vocal, right? Or like, you don't like how off tune you were when you were singing, right? So like, if you were to put autotune over the reverb, then like, your vocals are just going to go all over the place. Like all of the notes and stuff are just going to be so messy and crowded all together. If you put like autotune first and then put reverb after, then like the autotune like wouldn't be like affected, I guess. You know what I mean? So that's um, pretty much my vocal chain that I use. There's also another thing where like people were, were talking about, like I remember like one of my friends she was talking about like, what's the point of using like sends and buses? I don't know what they're used for. I, I, I can sound crazy, but like I use the send slash buses uh, tool. And honestly, if you ask me what they are, I wouldn't even know how to answer that. Okay. But I normally use those send slash buses tool as a way to like, you know, like slightly add more volume to whatever like sound, like sound that I'm using. So specifically with kick drums and stuff, just so that I could like add that like punch of the kick, you know, so that the kick doesn't get lost within the mix and stuff. But I also um, use that as a way to stack like different like reverb plugins or other plugins. So like where it doesn't sound like as intense, you know what I mean? Um, it's just so that I could have better control of plugins like the reverb and like the echo plugins and stuff like that. So like, that's what I tend to use a like a lawyer. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much my vocal chain process, I guess. I don't know. I could be completely wrong when it comes to arranging those things, but at the same time, that's kind of like subjective, but also I learned it off a YouTube video. So it's like, we're always going to learn as we go. Okay. Like I'm not going to be perfect all the time. So like, shut up. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something else. Like what am I missing? Let me just go through like different plugins that I kind of use on the daily or whatever. I guess what I can say, okay. Um, I, use a lot of like modulation plugins, specifically like chorus or whatever. When I first started like making music, I was like so obsessed with like using like the stock chorus plugin. And I thought it was just a way for me to add like more dimension or like add more voices in like a synth or whatever and stuff like that. So like I would tend to use that a lot just to add more depth up whatever like sound that I'm trying to use it on. Oh, so I, so for like additional like effects and stuff, I've been recently experimenting with this like a uh, frequency echo plugin from Valhalla and Valhalla is the place to fucking go when it comes to finding like reverb plugins. Okay. They have like the best quality like in the market for such a super affordable price. I literally cannot recommend this enough. They're the shit, okay? And they have this like frequency echo plugin where um, you can like control like the amount of echo that you want for a certain frequency. And I normally use this a lot if I want to 
add more metallic textures or elements within sound that I'm using or whatever that I'm trying to mix or whatever, especially with sound design and stuff. I just find that to be super cool. I think I've mentioned this before, but I mentioned in my previous episodes that uh, Sophie has been one of my biggest inspirations of all time when it comes to sound design. And so I would try to like, you know, emulate some of the metallic sounds that she has, you know, recorded and made in her own music. And it just inspires me a lot. And I'm still very, very, very sad that she is not here with us, but she'll always be an icon to people like me, as well as people in the trans community. We respect her, we will always love her and appreciate her for what she has brought into this earth. I kind of get those kinds of metallic textures from her and she even has like a, a splice uh, sample pack that she has on there, which honestly, we love a generous queen. Um, but yeah, I tend to do that a lot with certain um, sounds. I actually used that plugin in my song Overburden, which can I just say like that track almost got to 13K plays on SoundCloud. That is insane. And so if you guys have been listening to my music or have been supporting my music, I just want to appreciate every single one of you guys who have took time out of the day to listen to my music. It truly means the whole entire world to me. Yeah, I genuinely do appreciate it a lot. And I will forever be grateful to have people like you um, support what I'm doing, especially with this podcast. And I truly, truly do mean it a lot. Not to be sappy or anything, but like it truly means a lot. So thank you so much. But um, yeah, like I used that plugin for some of the sounds uh, that I made on the track Overburden. Yeah, so that's fun. I mean, I also use that on some snares as well. I I don't know what song, but I feel like I've experimented that before. Maybe not, who knows. But yeah, I think I might end this episode right here because I need to leave for work. I haven't even like selected a batch for me to you know get started on my shift or whatever. But um, if you made it this far, thank you guys so much for listening. It truly means a lot. If you like to hear more content like this, if you want me to discuss more music-related topics, then please let me know on my socials as well as in the comments um, in certain platforms. I don't, I still know how that works, but like, bear with me, okay? But um, if you still want to keep in touch with this podcast, you can subscribe, give it a follow on whatever music stream platform that you use. And you can also follow my podcast socials at Connect13 on Twitter and on Instagram. I'll leave all the links in the description below so that you guys can, you know, give us a follow and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and if you also want to follow my personal socials as well, you can find me at Micah13 at all platforms. Again, that will be in the description below so that you guys can find it and check it out. Yeah, um, if you guys might have noticed, um, I actually have added uh, the podcast into more platforms as well, specifically Amazon Music or like Audible, as well as hopefully Apple Podcasts. I could double check on that really quick. But yeah, I've added that into more platforms. 
Um, so I'll leave more information on that soon. But yeah, in the meantime, give us a follow. Um, it would truly mean a lot if you guys support this podcast. And yep, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. And until then, I'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Thank you.